Well, is this the last of the short weeks for a while? Nope. The Monday before the farm show opens is MLK Day. Markets are going to be closed that day for another short week, at least for the market. The rest of us are still working. Next week's a full five-day work week and wrap up with USDA's January S&D crop reports. That'll give us, I think, a lot more to talk about at the first seminar at the Fort Wayne Farm Show. Cody and Kavanaugh will dazzle us with their brilliance and babble us with some, well, a little bit of BS as well. <laughs> All in good fun. But remember, it is the most well-attended session at the farm show. And if you want a good seat and you don't want to be one of the standing room only, so you better come early. Cully and Kavanaugh standing by right now to talk about the dismal start to the year for the markets. And the guys are brought to you as they are all the time by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And right now, the Farm Bureau is all hands on deck at the State House for the new session to represent the interests of Indiana farm families. So your membership supports that kind of stuff. So go online and support them. It pays to be a member.org. Well, David, talking about dismal, <laughs> let's start out with the dismal export sales report that we got here. Ending the week 1228, I don't know, I think you got to put a little grain of salt with this whole thing because I don't know how many guys were even in the office, David. <laughs> that's true, that's for sure. But, you know, John's going to like this. The sorghum sales were excellent. In fact, they were some of the best. <laughs> the wheat was 131.6. The corn was 367.5. Yeah, John, don't hurt yourself on the corn. And the beans, oh my, what happened? 201.7, a bunch of unknown cancellations. Oh, yeah. it's just driving me crazy. But when you look at the individuals, how about China buying wheat? 65.8. Of that was wheat from China, Mexico bought 37.4, and corn, Mexico bought corn 171.1, and on the beans, Spain bought 136,000 tons of beans. China only bought 71.6. They were the low men on the totem pole of the top three. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about them in just a minute, but uh, I was amazed, John, by the relative averages of each of the commodities over the four-week period. Corn sales were down 70%, bean sales down 85%, just to go to David's numbers here, wheat down 79%. John, not a very good way to not only end the year, but to start the year as well. No, it's very discouraging. I got to believe that we're going to start seeing some demand come back in, you know, get the holidays out of the way. And I think we're going to see that interest pick up for exports. But for the balance of the year, it really isn't a very pretty picture. And, yeah. you know, everything in this market has just kind of turned south and negative here for the last several weeks. Oh. We need a kickstart somewhere. I feel like I should be Groucho Marx because you just said the magic white, and that was south. We go south. Everybody's attention, it yeah. seemed, over the holidays, John, was focused on the weather down south in Argentina. What a turnaround, John, from last year. Yes, it is. But this is the time of the year when all the, the market focus is all on South America. I mean, 90% of the market influence December, January, February comes from South America. We have had problems in Brazil. Argentina, on the other hand, is doing extraordinarily well, helping to offset whatever losses we might have in, in Brazil. Yeah. Overall, South America looks like they're going to pummel us with soybeans again this coming year. <laughs> and, and David, it, it, it all goes to the weather. And obviously, that's what everybody's been paying attention to is the weather. Man, Argentina, that's one of the reasons why they're looking so good. They got a bunch of rain down there over the last couple of months. Yeah, and El Nino is kind of getting a little bit wobbly at this point. Plus, solar activity's really been picking up. 
And I'm just waiting to see the northern lights sometimes soon, the way these solar storms keep coming toward us. So looks like El Nino could continue a while. And if so, it's going to bring more moisture up toward us. Well, look at the storm forecast for today and tomorrow. And then next week, there's a bunch of snow coming toward us. So, you know, this weather thing's definitely an interesting thing to watch, especially when you see what happened in Argentina with all the rain they got. How much rain did they get in December and November, John? I've got a bunch of rain in December rainfall in Argentina was the highest since 2009. That's 14 wow. years. Wow. And wow. it was two and a half times what they had last year. Wow. And the bottom line is, is that Argentina, at least in November and December, has got a lot of rain. Remember, they had that terrible drought last year. We couldn't, nobody could quite believe uh, yeah. that their crops were reduced by somewhere close to at near or around 50%. And this year, it looks like they're going to make all that up. You know, John, I I remember last year, it seemed like every time we were talking about Argentina, it seemed like every week it got worse and worse. And you remember last year, it was like only 8% of that crop last year was good to excellent. And this year, it's like, what what is it, five times that? 42%. 42 42% good, excellent uh, currently versus a year ago at 8%. It's not over yet. It's still early January, but it's Argentina is off to a really good start, and it looks like they're going to have a normal, if not above normal, crop this year. And by the way, they're also 86% planted on beans, 78 planted on corn. And Rob, did you see what Cordonier had for the bean crop in Brazil? We're talking about all these lower numbers, but Cordonier came out with 151 for the bean crop there. Mm. That was down two from the last estimate he gave. My goodness, this just keeps going on. Well, that seems a bit stiff right now, especially since... Most of your other analysts, not all, but most of your other analysts are much higher than that. True. And out of the uh, 15 analysts who are forecasting the Brazilian crop, the average is somewhere around 158, not 151. Right. Although Stone X came out at 152.8, that's pretty low. The yes. USDA, the USDA Ag Attaché, Conab, et cetera, are all up in the upper 150s. So I just have to take Cordonnier to task at this point. Hmm. That's a pretty bold statement, I realize that. Who's John Cavanaugh Yeah. (laughs) And how much time has he spent in Brazil (laughs) analyzing the crop? Like Cordonnier has. (laughs) And that's not the most egregious. There are several of them that are now talking about 148, and I even heard one all the way down to 130 this past week. Okay, that's that's, that's crazy. I was going to say a little premature, but I think it's a lot premature. You know, we've got a ways to go. And one of the things that that this whole conversation wraps around is is something that we mentioned just uh, earlier in this conversation, and that was if everything goes well, you know, both Argentina and if Brazil even has, you know, a modestly good crop this year, we're going to be swimming in soybeans. And that is a problem that's going on. And John, you keep an eye on crush here in the U.S., but China's soybean crush has slowed down recently, and it's kind of causing a bit of a problem. Now, last year, China's soybean crush hit uh uh, 95.6, 95.7. It was up 8% from the previous year. But here's the problem. They were importing stuff pretty quickly. Imports rose 14% year over year. And now these major crush facilities that have slowed down and their ports have got 20% more stocks than they had before. The crushing plants wow. have more. Slow production and domestic demand is putting China's domestic soybean crush under a lot of pressure with stocks piling up. And I don't know, but you guys are the experts, but it seems like it could get really bearish for the whole soybean complex. Not that it's not already bearish, but I mean, a whole lot more bearish if that situation continues. Oh, wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's the real problem with soybeans is uh, we're not seeing the demand from 
China like we have in the past. If that does not improve significantly in the coming six months, we really do have a problem. I've heard some analysts that are thinking that things don't bounce back in China and export demand pick up out of the U.S. that uh, we could see beans get below $12. Hmm. And that brings us to what we might or might not see in the USDA report that's coming out a week from Friday, so this next Friday. But uh, recently I got this number that the new crop corn bean price ratio is right around 2.4. So it's really kind of just treading water. It's kind of neutral at this point. So no big push for one crop over the other. But we talk about uh, push for acres. The November WASDE predicted an additional 3.4 million acres for soybeans and corn acres to drop by about 3.9, at least again, according to USDA estimates from November. Any thoughts from you guys, David? I'll give you a first shot at that. Anything that you think in terms of acreage or is this way too early to tell? You have to think ahead. You can't just think right now because you have to think what, what's the weather going to be like this spring? What am I going to be able to plant? You know, what should I get bought ahead? Uh, fertilizers are more plentiful. That's the one thing that I'm really excited about. So that would favor corn. And if I look ahead to see what the seed companies are offering right now, I would look to favor corn again. So talk all you want about extra bean acres. I don't think the corn acres are going to fall that much, given that farmers love to harvest corn and brag about it in the coffee shop. Yeah, David, that's exactly right. And up until recently, I was pretty well convinced that soybeans were going to buy at least 2 million acres away from corn, if not more. Today, it doesn't look like it. You know, that ratio is down there at that 2-4 number, which is pretty much break even. And that suggests that, no, that we're not going to lose any corn acres. And as you said, uh, farmers uh, prefer corn. And here we are getting into January now. This is the time of the year as we move forward when the farmers have got to start making their decisions. My attitude has just changed. Maybe it'll change again in a month from now, but I don't think we're going to lose the corn acres to soybeans quite as much as I thought we were. Mr. Cavanaugh, you don't have a month, okay? You, you've got about a week and a half before we get to the <laughs> Fort Wayne Farm Show. You better come up with some kind of an idea to share with the folks at the Fort Wayne Farm Show. I'll have it by then. <laughs> David, Prop 12 went into effect on January 1st, and I'll tell you what, the pork producers are just going crazy over this. Matter of fact, the president of the Pork Producers Council said it best. He said veterinarians and hog farmers know how to take care of pigs better than California politicians. <laughs> no kidding. Some people are even saying split California off and let it become its own country. And, uh, you know, after this <laughs> Prop 12 went through, I'm almost tending to agree with that. You know, the Californian legislatures don't understand agriculture. It seems like the legislators in California are always late to the task. Yeah. And the fact that they want Prop 12 to tell what to do with pork, I think the people are going to start leaving California even greater numbers than we've seen. But the thing is, Prop 12 is not the end of this. There's going to be other props that will also change. Remember, they were talking about beef cattle and dairy cattle and doing something with that. They were talking about you know, limiting how many uh, poultry farms they have over there, too, because they're a big chicken and, and egg producer in California. So Prop 12 is not the end of this. It's the beginning. Well, some good news for cattle country. They got a bunch of rain that's uh, been replenishing some of the soil moisture in those areas that suffered from severe drought over the last few years. And David, that was pretty key to the drop in the national beef herd and the subsequent rise in prices. 
Yeah, definitely. So the beef market's starting to get a little bit slow and low. And I was wanting to see this come because as there's more beef available, your beef market's going to be dropping. And normally during the holidays, you see the beef market picking up ahead of it about yeah. a week or two. And then suddenly it drops off afterwards. That's a seasonal effect on the beef market. But the thing I want to stress the most here is the cattle farmers have the green light to put more feeders in the feedlots. Mm. And I think they'll be doing that over the near term. And you'll be seeing lower prices for cattle, not the currently 170. They're going to be a lot lower than that. Well, we haven't seen prices move much at all. They've been in pretty tight trading ranges for both pork and beef. All right, time for the final word. Kavanaugh, what you got for us today? Well, this is the time of the year when we reflect upon the past year. And if we look from January the 1st to December the 31st, 2023, corn prices during that time period dropped 30%. Wheat was down 20% and soybeans down 14%. And since the first of the year, we've gone even lower. So uh, that kind of puts things into perspective. Well, I don't know that the USDA report's going to give us a whole lot of insight necessarily, but we'll certainly talk about it at the Fort Wayne Farm Show. Make sure you come on out and join us. We are the first session Tuesday, 10 a.m. at the Fort Wayne Farm Show. The visit each week with Coley and Kavanaugh is made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. Your local Indiana Farm Bureau's support Indiana agriculture in every single way. From the classroom programs for kids to things like political action that eliminated the state inheritance tax. And to the State House during this current session to make sure that lawmakers know the important issues to Hoosier Farm families. When you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farmers that feed us. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.